At the Home Depot, the start of spring means it's time to add Vigoro and EarthGrow colored mulch to your list and your cart. Right now, get five bags at a special buy, just 10 bucks. Mulch helps retain soil moisture in shades of red, brown, or black. Hey, it's nice out. Today is the day for doing and mulching. With Vigoro and EarthGrow colored mulch, five bags, 10 bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Color selection varies by store. Limit 60 per customer, continental U.S. only. Hello, everyone. This is Pam of Café con Pam, the bilingual podcast where we feature fearless Latinas, Latinos, Latinx, and minorities living in the U.S., and we discuss issues that affect all of us. Welcome to episode 19 of Café con Pam. In today's show, we have a conversation with Frances Pratt, who is CEO of Ageless Beautiful Clever Creations. Frances is also a production manager for Costco for the past 22 years. Frances was born in Bakersfield, California, and now resides with her husband, with her family in Hamul, California. Frances is happily married to Leo Prado for more than 32 years, and they have two adult children, Leo Jr., who is 28, and Ashley, who is 25. Frances is among the 7% of sole female inventors in the United States and one of the 0.3% of sole Latinas that have ever been granted a patent in the United States. Hi, Frances. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. That's pretty awesome that you are one of the 0.3% Latinas who have been granted a patent. You know, when I first found out the numbers, I, I agreed. I said, wow, I'm in an elite group. But then it dawned on me, you realize, wait a minute, why? Right. Why? Right. What Did you it? know before you... You know, I've pondered a couple of reasons why, um, you know, I, I, starting this process, you don't really know what you're going to get into yeah. and how grueling and how, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs to this whole journey. And I think maybe one of the things, uh, first and foremost, is probably the financial part right. of patents because patents are very expensive. Yes. They can run from ten to $15,000. And so I, I think maybe that would be one of the obstacles because normally Latinos were pretty creative. We right. create a lot of things. Right. It's it, just like searching for that. Right. Or getting it from, you know, a, a being creative and making something at home than getting it actually launched. Right. Right. I, I, I agree 100%. So the first question that I ask my guests is, when was the last time you smiled at a stranger? You know, I, <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that because if you looked at my Facebook post, um, there's a quote there from uh, Mother Teresa that I put, and it was for Valentine's Day, and love starts with a smile. Oh, and I agree. Yeah, so now I'm more conscious about myself of smiling too. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone's making eye contact with me, now I automatically smile. Yeah, yeah it, it changes energy, it changes everything. It's very important. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So let's start exploring your story a little bit. So you were born okay. in Bakersfield. Where were your parents from? My parents were from Amatlán de Cañas, Nayarit. Nayarit. Nayarit, okay. yes, okay. yes. So we were uh, seven kids and my parents. My parents came into the United States in 1963. Okay. So in 1963, there was five already born in Tijuana, and the last three were born in um, Bakersfield, California. So I'm technically the first generation born yeah. in Bakersfield, yes. So they kind of migrated from Nayarit to Tijuana first. Yes, and, and then the from there in 1963, 
they came over to the United States. And, you know, thank goodness they did because thanks to them, you know, we, we have this opportunity. Absolutely. Did they come to the U.S. for work? Yes, yes. Um, my father was a baker um, by trade. Okay. And so... Panadero. He, panadero. <laughs> he was a panadero for many, many years. Um, but we actually started in the fields. Okay. Yeah. Here? When you in Bakersfield, here. yes. Okay. They went directly to the fields. Uh, it was actually the onion fields, which wow. we all got to work in the onion fields. Um, you know, my father instilled very strong work ethics in us. We were the first ones to arrive in the fields, and we were the last ones to, to leave. leave. Yes. And we had a little van, and we all get up in the morning, and he'd take us in the van, and we would get there. And I remember it was the crack of dawn, and we would stay in the car until there was lights. And sometimes my dad would get out of the car, and he would turn on his headlights so he could start working before the oh crack of dawn. Oh, yes. Before there was even light. Yes. <gasps> and then after the light, then we, we got to come out. Yeah. So we would, um, you know, we started, we were the first ones to arrive and the last ones to leave. And, you know, the working conditions, now that, you know, I, I've looked back at that and I go, wow, you know, the working conditions were really tough. It was really hot. It was the onion. Yeah. And um, it was tough. But again, you know, we were a family unit and we just, we started and we finished. And I think, you know, together now. Together and, and together. Yes. And I think that was very important because, I don't know if you're familiar with the fields, but the fields, you know, you couldn't see where they ended. Mm-hmm. I was, what, like seven years old. So I just remember we got there, we, we lined up our buckets and we started. And we would, I would know that we would have to finish. Wow. But you couldn't see. The oh end gosh. of it. I don't know how long they are, but you couldn't see. But I just know that we started and we finished. And to me, I go, wow, that that was a principle of goal yeah. setting. One step at a time. Yeah, one step <gasps> at a time. So cool. And you were seven. I was seven. That's imp- and you were, well, I guess. So, uh, second, to, second to the youngest. Okay. Second to the youngest. And I had my job. So my job was to fill up the sacks of onion and then walk and, and drop a bag like every three feet. And then on the way back, my father would say, no te vengas de balde. You come when you're done. With a purpose. With a purpose. He said, you come and you take the onions out. You shake off the, the little, the dirt on the roots. Yeah. And you make little bunches for me. So when he would come, he would, they already be out of the dirt in, in bunches. So that, to me, was being productive. Absolutely. So that was my job. Wow. At seven. <laughs> at seven. That's, yes. that's great. I mean, and now if we, we look now at help kids grow up, you know, and you might think like she was so young, but like you said, it, it gave you work ethics and it gave you, it instilled you that passion that you now have for work. Right. Um, you know, it was very critical in creating a foundation and looking back on that, what it created was work ethic, you know, start early and and late. And, and yeah. late. Yeah. If you start something, you finish it doesn't matter how the weather is or what working conditions are. You just suck it up and you get it done. Yeah. And we were families, so you do what it takes. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate, actually. I feel very fortunate that our parents, my mom, instilled that work ethic in us and that family unity. Yeah. I, I, I'm very blessed. I'm Absolutely. very blessed. And I think it's, it's very Latino that... It, other cultures don't necessarily always understand how we stick together so much <laughs> <laughs> and how like up until you're older, like, right. you know, your daughter now, she's, she's going out of town and you're worried about her. And I'm like, well, she's 25, but you're yes, still, absolutely. and I yeah. see other cultures and they're like, no, 18 years old, you go to college, you're fine. Yeah. I, well, you know, as being a mom, 
And I think a lot of moms and Latina moms could relate to me. You know, you, you never stop worrying about your children. Right. You never do. And I mean any mom, of course. Right. But I feel like Latina moms are a little bit more apprehensive. A little bit more apprehensive. <laughs> Make me a little more possessive. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so did your parents ever stop working the field or? Yes, he did. Well, you know, I, um, with the Cesar Chavez, mm. back in 19, I think it was 1976, he wanted to get the kids out of the fields. And, you know, we, we went to school. So during the summer, we worked all summer long and sometimes after school. After school, we would go uh, to the work in the fields, but it was all summer. Um, so during that movement, I guess my dad realized, you know what, I'm going to work, I'm going to lose 80% of my workforce. Right. So um, that's when in 19, I believe it was 1972, my parents moved to San Diego. Oh, okay. So okay. we came here in, uh, to San Diego in 1972, and my father was a baker at Trade. So that's where he started working for um, companies here as a baker. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So that completely changed the dynamic. At Totally. <laughs> we were happy. <laughs> we were happy of that movement. I mean, we didn't realize how much it impacted, but it did impact us yeah. because, you know, my father said, well, I can't bring my kids. Right. So, they can't yeah. help me anymore. Right. So we're leaving. <laughs> so I, I think he had a friend in San Diego and they must have had a conversation. He says, well, you know what? Why don't you come over here? And that's how we ended up in San Diego. Interesting. And he and he that's when he really did what he what his trade was. What his trade was, and that was being a baker. Wow. How many years were you in Breakerfield, working in the fields? We were there from 1966 to 1972. A, a good chunk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My, my brothers and sisters, they went to school there. They went to elementary school. And, you know, back in 1966 in, in Bakersfield, California, there were very little Latinos. Absolutely. Yes. And I feel like I had another guest that lived, it's around that time, around that Era. Era. <laughs> and he also talked about Cesar Chavez and and how Latinos basically came to work in the fields. Right. Because that's what you did. Right. And so was your dad an independent contractor technically? Or did he work no, for someone? He worked for someone. Okay. He worked for some uh, we established a really good relationship. I mean a really good reputation. Yeah. Because he knew if he, he gave my dad Yeah. <laughs> he knew if he gave my dad, you know, certain roles that he would get it done, that he would not just get up and leave. Because sometimes, you know, it was yeah. really harsh and people would just get up and leave. And I remember a couple of times, you know, the manager would come over to my dad and said, You know what, when you guys are done here, can you go finish off that? Those that because they just left. Wow. And they didn't get it done. So my dad created that reputation that he would get it done. He would not leave it abandoned. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And the whole family helped. Yes. The whole entourage of people. <laughs> yes. Our credibility was at stake too. Wow. And then you moved to San Diego and you basically grew up here. Yes. Yes. So you can say, we can say that you were San Diegan. Yes. Yes. I feel more San Diegan than I do yeah. actually Bakersfield. Yeah. yeah. Because everyone came. You didn't right. Have, did you have any, any other family members here in the States? Um, we have cousins. Okay. Uh, my uh, father had... Um, I think uh, his brother came, in fact, lived right next door to us uh, a couple of years after we moved here to San Diego, my, my father's brother, and we have cousins, yeah. Wow. Primos hermanos. And then you went to school here. Did you go to college? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. Um, this is where my life changes a little. So I went to junior high school here, and um, my father had an accident when I was 13 years old in 1980, and he fell and he slipped and he, he hit his head. Oh. And from there, it happened on a Friday night and on Wednesday he passed away. <gasps> yes, he was oh 50 years old. Yes. Quick. Yes. So that was 
Yeah, as you can life imagine, life-changing, especially for my mother, because being she was 40 years old, she was widowed with seven kids yeah. and didn't speak very much English. Oh, my gosh. So my older brothers, you know, they, um, I think they dropped out of high school, immediately started to work because time, yeah. right, we had a home. There was a mortgage to pay. There was bills to pay. And, you know, oh my, my father gosh, was gone. Chills. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, my mom, again, my strength, I believe, comes from my mother. For her to be, you know, widowed mm, with seven, ki- yeah. seven kids. And so um, my brother started working, they, and my mom started to work, too. She started to uh, clean hotels, and that's how we were able to, you know, sustain. Okay. Yeah, so the older ones had to stop uh, going to school and start working. Um, at the age of 16, so I was in the 10th grade, and I was in high school, and when my father passed away, my mom went to go see her mom in Mexico because it had been several years since she had gone and I met my husband. I was 13. In Mexico? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. My husband is from Amatlán de Cañas, Nayarit. Oh. And we met. I was 13 and he was 16. So we, we you know, no, we're a boyfriend. You were that young. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. I think I see a 13 year old young little girl and I go, oh my goodness, Francis, what were you doing? Yes. But um, we fell in love. And when I was 16, he asked me to marry him. Wait, but you came back. I came back, and he was in Mexico. <gasps> and back then, there wasn't, like, social media. Or, no, no, you know. no. It was letters, and the letters took, like, 30 days. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I have, you know, I've saved the letters over the years. So really? I have my little stack of letters. That's yeah. cute. You should it, do a museum exhibit or something, <laughs> what love is about. <laughs> back in the days. Yeah. Huh? And so... Uh, at when, so that was when I was 13, and then uh, my husband came to the country um, when he was 18 years old. Okay. So he crossed the border illegally. Yeah. And he, For you. Yes. <gasps> so he came over. What a love story. <laughs> We're still in February, people. <laughs> and so he came over, and, um, you know, he wanted to get married, so... I asked my mom. She was not really happy. And, and she, did your mom know that you were you had been pen-palling the whole yes, time? Yes, okay. yeah. She knew did he she was not my friend. think that it was, like, serious? I don't think she thought it was going to happen so quickly. Yeah. I think that's what it was. So um, it, we wanted to get married, and we actually went to the priest in, and to marry us. But he said, no, he did not want to marry us. He said, you know what, I would create more of us in marrying you today, knowing that within a few years you're going to end up divorced. Okay. Because you were young. Because I was young. He thought, okay. Yes. So my mom had to um, take us down to the county court office and sign me off. And I got married wow. at 16. Yeah. So that's so interesting to me. And I think a lot of people don't know the, the trouble that people go through when crossing the border. So did he basically said, I'm leaving the house and I'm taking off? Well, yeah, because, it, you know, his family was established. They had their own business, and so he was okay. Yeah. Well, in fact, we were talking about that this morning, and he said, you know what, I really didn't have any reason to, to come, come over, yeah. but, yeah, he came over to... Oh, my gosh. That's so cute. <laughs> How hard was it for him? It, it was it was difficult. Did he go through a... Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really like to talk about it. Okay. And uh, But, it, it, you know, people put their lives on the line absolutely to come to this country he made it he made it he made it he made it to you yes (laughs) and you were right across the board which is which also helps 
Right. So you weren't too far yes. on this side. So after we got married, we did the immigration process and, you know, we were able to get him immigrated and now he's an American citizen and works for the county sheriff's department. Wow. Yes. Yeah. How so, interesting. <laughs> a lot easier said than done, I, yeah. I would say. Yes. yes. That's such a cool story though. And, and sometimes like we don't know those things happen, you know, behind the scenes, we just see so happy and you really went through some trouble. You know, right? Yeah, to, I, to I, I think uh, you know it was. Um, I got to see the priest that didn't want to marry us the other oh, day. Oh my yeah, gosh! Here from Father Brown, and I went up to him. I said, I, uh, "We were going to church, and I told him, I said, hold on, there's Father Brown. Let me go talk to him.' So I went and I introduced myself and I explained the little story. Do you remember me? <laughs> yes, I said, "Do you remember me, Father Brown?" And he says, "He says yes." He says, "Well, it looks like if life and your husband has been treating you well, so." I'm very happy for you. And, and he, he realized me, that it was the same husband. Yes. 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 Is it to the same one? Yes. And he gave me a blessing. And it was it was a beautiful experience. That's it was awesome. really awesome. Yeah. Super cool. And your mom, of course, she signed, like you said, she signed you off and then she believed that it was real. Yes. <laughs> yes. I said, oh my goodness. You know, and, and a lot of people ask me, Francis, if your daughter was 16, would you let her get married? And my answer to that, if she found a man like her husband, absolutely. Because she could be 26, she could be 30, and not find her true love. Yes. So that's how I answer that question. Yeah, because really, like, I mean, love comes in different times. Right. I mean, sometimes people are really older, and they find love. And sometimes people are young. My grandma got married when she was 14. Yeah, see, and that's very typical. Yeah. That's very typical. Were your parents young parents, too? Um, no, no. My father had um, two wives before my mom. Oh. There was a, a, a like a ten year gap. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Um, so different story. Different story. Okay. Okay. So you grew up, got married. So your husband has been with you for that whole journey. Yes. And super supportive. Yes. Which is yes. amazing. Yes. So kudos yes. To, to Leo. Is that is it Leo? Leopoldo. Leopoldo. No. <laughs> <laughs> my son, he likes to be called Leo. Okay. Yeah. So he is Leopoldo. How, how was the transition for him to having lived in the U.S.? That's the daughter. Is it? <laughs> and how was the transition for him to move from Mexico to here? Was it hard for him? It, you know, it was a big change. And it was also a big change because even though I was Mexicana and he was Mexicano, there's a difference from being Mexicana and living in the United yes. States than being Mexicano and living in Mexico. So there was a little bit of adapting and transitioning because what we felt was no big deal to him was like, oh yeah. my goodness, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah. So there was there was a growing and, and, and a little bit of a different culture that we wouldn't see sometimes eye to eye on a couple of things. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that required a, a, an adaption. And he always says, he says, um, you know, being poor in Mexico is one thing and being poor in the United States is another. Yes. So I got to see a lot of things that maybe I've taken for granted that he, you know, was able to point out different. So, you know, I'm able to see from two lenses, I would say, from, you know, from Mexico and coming from a town of 2000 uh, people population to you know, it's a beautiful city like San Diego. Yeah, so. where you can go and get help. You know, there's so many organizations here that help you if you right. need. Right, They're not so much. Yeah, so to him, it's this is heaven. Yeah, yeah, so people be, be grateful. <laughs> it's time to be grateful. That's amazing. And then, so tell me, let's explore, let me see the time. 
because we also have a coffee break, and I, I know you are also pressed for time, so I want to respect your time. So how, I know the, the um, let's talk about hanging secrets a little Okay. Bit. So I know that started in your bedroom. Yes. It was like an aha moment. Yes. You know, my son had recently been deployed to Afghanistan, and my daughter was uh, studying abroad in Mexico, in Guadalajara, and my husband was working a 10-hour shift. And I specifically remembered, Francis, what are you going to do with all this extra time on your hands? And how are you not going to worry so much about your kids? But you were still working. I was still working. I had my full-time job. Yeah. And you had extra time and you were a mom. Yes. But all of a sudden, you know, to me, that was a lot of time that I had on my hands. And I said, you know what? How are you going to keep busy? Well, the first thing I can come up with was, well, well girl, you better start cleaning and organizing right. your house. <laughs> that was easy. So I started in my bedroom. I pulled out the drawer and my bras and panties were a hot mess. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I pulled that drawer open so many times before and it never, right. And it never dawned on me. And I said, you know what? There has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. So I started putting, I created my first drawing, my first hand sketch of Hanging Secrets in July of 2009. And I created. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's been a long process. Yeah. So I created my first hand sketch drawing, and I started reading up about intellectual property, you know, having to protect it and how important it is and keeping an inventor's journal. So I started that, and then I created, my sister helped me create my, uh, my first prototype, handmade prototype, because, oh you know, you gosh. have to make sure it's going to work. Right. It's one thing that you think about it, write it. So we created the, um, the first prototype, and it worked. And from there, I said, okay, well, then I need to start filing for the patent process, which but did I did. So, okay, did you know what steps to take, or did you have to do a ton of research beforehand? I, I did a lot of research, and I did a lot of reading. One of the things that I do, I love to learn, and I love to read. Yeah. So I immediately de uh, dug deep into the inventor's world, and that's when I realized, okay, these are the steps that you need to do. In fact, I filed my first provisional patent that you file, and it lasts one year. And what that does, it gives you the opportunity to determine, is this a viable product? Ah. So it protects your idea from the day you start. That's called a provisional patent. From there, Interesting. after one year, then you, you need to convert it to a non-provisional uh, patent. Okay which at that time I did a little bit of research and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to convert this into a non-provisional utility patent and we filed that and three years, it's a whole, it's a four-year process and I received my patent in March. Four-year process. In 2015, oh. yes. And you know what, I, it, what's pretty ironic is that not all ideas submitted to the patent office are granted. So, right. Right. So you have to, you know, what you have there has to be very unique and it has to meet the criteria in order for you to get a patent issued. Did you, did you think like, did you ever sabotage yourself with your idea? No. You, know, you were pretty on it? I, yeah, because I said, you know what, if I'm having this challenge, I know all the women Every are. Woman are. Yeah. yeah. I did some research and said, you know, okay, what's out there? What options do we have? I go, well, no, that, you know, that's not, it's, it's not what Hanging Secrets is able to do. Hanging Secrets solves a problem, and it helps women organize their bras and panties and, and helps protect them and keeps them in the closet and not in a dark a drawer, drawer stuffed yeah. and getting damaged. Yeah. Absolutely. Super cool. Okay, I want to talk more about that because it's so interesting. But in my show, we have a coffee break. Okay. Because that's my, it's Cafe Compam. <laughs> and so let's go on to our coffee break. Okay. 
sabrosura pa ti que que. Okay, so the coffee of the day is I got it from this small coffee shop in San Diego. It's called Cafe Basam. And they are in Bankers Hill, which is near Balboa Park. If you are ever in San Diego near Balboa, you can check out Cafe Basam. They're pretty good because they are open at 8 in the morning and they close at midnight. So wow. you always see people there working and and they, have, they also serve wine and beer and you can use it for like not a, not so much food they do have food but it's more like a coffee like a get together type of thing sure. i've seen a couple of times marco antonio regil there oh wow <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 frequents that not to like tell you to go there because of that but <laughs> but it's a pretty cool spot and i am drinking a simple latte do you drink coffee I do. I do. I only have one cup in the morning okay. and I'm done for the day. So you've had your cup for the yes. day. Yes. Okay. How do you drink it? Um, instant coffee. Just that's at it. home. Yes. Yeah. Get that's me started. Mexican. <laughs> instant coffee. It's pretty Mexican. Okay. So listeners, if you're ever in San Diego, if you are in San Diego, you want to check out a cool coffee place, go to Cafe Basam. Alrighty. Back to the show. Sabrosura So you were talking about how you got into the patent world, and it's a lot of paperwork. How does it work for someone who wants to invent something? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I did was I went onto the U.S. Patent Office website, and it's almost le like learning a whole different language. Yeah, because I, I bet. Yeah, it's because I filed my own um, provisional patent. You know, and that's something. I had to do because I didn't have the resources. Say, okay, either you pay a lot of money or you get it and you figure it out how to do it yourself, Francis. Right. So it took me like six months to, I actually printed out a whole binder worth of documents to understand the process. I was on the phone with him all the time, like for about an hour a day, but I was able to file my own provisional patent. Were they helpful? Very helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. You know, there's a lot of resources out there now. So, you know, if, it's, if there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. Totally. I think that's yes. very important, that if you want to do, do something, you just get it done. Right. You figure it out. Right, right. You just need to be creative, you need to be disciplined, and you need to be consistent. Okay. And you're doing all of this while you have a full-time job. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, what I realized is I didn't truly understand when people say, you know, you found your passion. And I've truly found my passion in hanging secrets because I start my day at 3.15 in the morning, oh and gosh. I end it at 10 o'clock. Uh, Monday through Friday. <laughs> Monday through Friday, but when I work on things for hanging secrets, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. It's fun. In fact, I have to tell myself, Francis, you know, you need to stop and you need to eat, or Francis, you need to because I want to keep on going. Yeah. So, I, it, it's yeah. hard for me to to. I have to remind myself to keep myself balanced because I can let it consume me. And again, you know, I don't. I want to enjoy my passion. But I have to remember, you know, I don't want to sacrifice my family because it's all right. boils down to time, how yeah. you allocate your time. So I try to allocate my time, you know, my family first, my full-time job, and hanging secrets. And so it's a little juggle. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something I wouldn't change because I've truly found my passion. I, I've truly enjoyed what I'm doing, meeting a lot of people, having these opportunities, you know, to get the word out there. Yeah. And, you know, be an ambassador for female inventors and Absolutely. the next generation of women. Such an inspiration. Yeah. Would you say to, I forgot the question, it went away. 
I think you were asking me, (laughs) I think, I think, I think you started to say, you know, um, because, you know, what do you do to someone or what do you tell someone that wants to invent? Yeah. Well, I feel like I I meet a lot of Latinos that are like, yeah, I made this up and I, and I'm like, well, okay. And then what, (laughs) you know? So you, you did the research, you did the work, which is what's important. It's just when you said, like you said, when there's a will, there's a way you figure it out. And you made, so you made the prototype with your sister. Yes. I had the idea, what, but I wasn't good at sewing, and she's really good at sewing. So. I remember the question now. Okay. <laughs> the question back. Would you say to our listeners when they think, because I feel like we, we have aha moments all the time, so, and you listen to yours, you know, what would you say to someone who has an aha moment and, and kind of sabotages themselves, like, no, but it's not going to work. You listen to yours, and it worked. Right. I, I think that, you know, there's not a recipe that works well for everybody yeah. because everybody has different circumstances. And to me, everything just, the timing was right. You know, I, I couldn't see myself having this aha moment when my children were small because right. they were my priority. And that, you know, that's the part of being a family. So yeah. you, so to me, everything lined up in my favor, I would say. And so I, I feel very fortunate. So I think, you know, it has to be the right timing it has to be in the right condition. Um, but again, it, it, it has to come from within. Mm. And, and you'll know you'll know it's there because when people... Uh, I remember when I showed my prototype the first time, especially to one of my coworkers, I had to tell them, I had to warn them and say, okay, I'm going to show you something. And before you start laughing, just think of the concept of what it does. Well, after maybe five minutes of laughing... <laughs> He, he finally said, well, yeah, you know what, that's... A, but I showed it to people that thought I was crazy. But you know that, you know, it's your passion when it doesn't matter if you, you get discouraged. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're getting discouraged. It doesn't matter if all these doors are closing. If you know and you feel it that you're going to make it go through, that you'll just push through it, yeah. whether or not, you know, you're getting support or you are. But I, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've received a lot of support. That's amazing. So your sister helped you with, with the prototype... Yes. Do, you, do you still have it? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do still have it. Again, because, you know, it's such a, it's a little bit, of, it becomes your history. Yes. It becomes your history. So I have my first drawing. I have my first prototype. And, you know, you start to form your story. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then how does it work to, then what happened next? So you got your patent. You got your prototype. And then I was very fortunate because in December of 2014, I showed Hanging Secrets to my doctor, Dr. Melinda Silva, and she loved it. And we formed our business in January 2015, Ageless, Beautiful, Clever Creations, and we formed a partnership. And, you know, she was basically my angel investor because I think one of the most difficult, um, one of one of the op- obstacles is having the financial resources. Yes, having the financial resources to take you from prototype to samples to actually launching. And we actually launched Hanging Secrets on September 24th, 2015. And we had our first recipients um, being a breast cancer survivor. Wow. We're all about supporting our community. And so we did makeovers, and we gifted our hanging secrets. So uh, so cool. Yes, and you know we um, we selected twelve women because twelve is my lucky number. My mom's in heaven now, and she sends me messages through the number twelve. Interesting. And my mom's birthday is December (gasps) twelfth. The month twelfth. Yeah. So she's a Guadalupana. 
Yeah. yeah. Her name is Guadalupe, yeah. so she was born on December 12th. So in discussions with Dr. Silva, when I first met her, um, I said, Dr. Silva, we, I want to have 12 women because 12 is my lucky number. And she says, why? And I told her, because it's my mom's birthday, December 12th. She says, my daughter is no December way. 12th. Yes. That's when you know the universe right. is aligning everything. Right. And I said, oh, my goodness, my mom sent me my Yeah, my you're card. 12. Yes, wow. my 12. So throughout this journey, believe me, I, I, I get a lot of number 12s. So, um, again, she's not here with me physically, but she does send me messages, and, and, and that's what makes it so beautiful. Absolutely. So cool. Okay, so you, you launched it, and you gave the 12 women. Yes, we did our launch party. We donated um, our hanging secrets, and uh, we provided uh, full makeovers to wow. our breast cancer survivors. And a percentage of our proceeds of the sales of hanging secrets is also donated to a nonprofit fund here in San Diego. That helps women, that uh, gives free product and services to women that uh, need them. Oh. And that, uh, it's, it's called the uh, Brighter Side Boutique. And they also donate uh, to a group called uh, Apoyo y en Adelante. And these are women from Tijuana and Ensenada who have breast cancer. Oh. So it also, it also you know, spills over to Mexico, which Absolutely. makes us feel very, yeah. very good. Totally. So cool. I love, I love when businesses give back. Yes. You know, it's all about it's social good. Yeah. When you do good things, good things come back. Absolutely. You get what you give. Totally with you. <clears throat> okay. So now you have launched... And how was that? It was exciting. It was really good. <laughs> did you sleep? <laughs> yes, we did. Well, there was a lot of preparation to it. But you know what? What really dawned on me that day, there was uh, one of our recipients was in stage four breast, oh. the stage four breast cancer survivor. And that, you know, put a lot of things in perspective mm. for me. You know, I was so, we were worried about the food and making sure everything was, you know, going into sync and everything. We were going to have a successful launch party. But when, you know, she got up and, and gave her introduction and her story, I said, wow. You know, again, that was, that was we a turning point. We were worried about food. Yes, yeah. we were worried about, did we have enough food? You know, as Latinos, make sure we have right. enough food. Everyone has to be fed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that, that's what the thing that we were worried about. And, you know, when she comes up and says, you know, she's in stage four breast cancer survivor, the, the, that was a big turning point. Yeah. That was a big turning point and for me, for me. Um, and, again, that's what we enjoy giving back to our community and supporting breast cancer survivors. And, you know, right now we have we sell Hanging Secrets on our website, but most recently I've been very fortunate and I just won a competition. I'm a finalist. So we actually have the opportunity to have uh, Hanging Secrets live sold on HSN. Nice. Can I say the date? Yeah, of course. <laughs> on March 13th. At 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up. Okay. Yes. Eastern Time. Yes. Okay. Siete, seis, siete, cuatro. I count in Spanish. So 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Yes. <laughs> and this was, a, this was a, a grand opportunity, and it was it's called Project American Dream, HSN Project American Dream, and it was specifically, specifically to help Latino entrepreneurs launch their product. Wow. Yes. So this is, all, okay. uh, this is a brainstorm of um, Lili Gil Bayarte that thought, you know what, this is a grand opportunity, so she aligned us with all the right resources in order to give Latinos an opportunity to get their products. And you that's, know, that's amazing. That's huge. Yeah. I think if people ask me now, the, the easiest thing was inventing hanging secrets, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> that's the easiest right. part. Getting the brand recognition and getting it out there. Yes, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Yeah. And, you know, throwing social media into all of this. Before I started Hanging Secrets... 
I didn't even have a Facebook page. <laughs> yes. For you. For me. Because <laughs> I considered myself to be private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all that was out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you have to be. You know, it, that's, a, that's something that's changing completely the dynamics of, you know, being on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you have to put yourself out there. Yeah. And that was, at the very beginning, that was something that I struggled with because I considered myself a little bit old putting school. putting yourself out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I considered myself a little old school, a little private, and, and not anymore. It's now it's like, wow, yeah, you're out there. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, th and that, I think, it, it is key. And I think, you know, sometimes I find myself with the, I call it the culture teeter-totter. Yes. You know, how far do you go, Francis? Right, right. How far do you go without losing, you know, your... Your, your basis and yes. your foundation. Yes. Yeah. So Hanging Secrets has really gotten me out of my comfort zone, I would say. <laughs> I, I could agree. <laughs> Anything, any, well, I think from the moment of you inventing it, you know, really, like, you had to... Get out there and do it. Sure. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that, you know, that aha moment will bring me where I'm at today. You've and been on TV. You've been yes. on the radio. You've been on all yes. kinds of things. Yes. I mean, I've traveled. I've been fortunate. I've been able to travel in a couple of states. And you know what? It, it's great. It's great. It's exciting. Really exciting. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. I love when people succeed. Very nice. Okay. We have to wrap it up soon because you have to get out of here. And I do too. And we have things to do. So... The last two questions I ask my guests are, do you have a remedy that you want to share with us? You um, know, Latinas, we're all about natural remedies and natural things that... Well, what I do, um, I don't know, I think it's a remedy. <laughs> <laughs> Every morning um, after I have my cup of coffee, I have a little bit of water and lemon juice. Okay. I squeeze fresh lemon, a little bit of warm water, and supposedly it's good to, to clean out the liver and filter it, yeah. digestion, and that works really well for me. And you've done it for? I would say in the past two to three years. Nice. Yes. So that's kind of like your, your morning yeah. habit. Yes. So coffee and, and lemon, and yeah. water <laughs> lemon. Okay. Very, anything that your mom or dad did? Oh. That you remember that when you were little, they... I mean, we have all kinds of weird well, stuff. Well, I remember, yeah, I know. <laughs> How weird do you want me to get? As weird as you want. Well, what I remember, um, a, a remedio casero from my mom. My sister constantly, my baby sister, Lupita, constantly had a cough. Okay. And in order for my mom to help her with the phlegm, she would saute onions. Oh. She would saute onions, get a towel, and place the warm onion inside the towel with a little bit of vaporu okay. and place it on her chest. With Vicks. With Vicks. <laughs> so I think that was her homemade humidifier. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So okay. that's, uh, that's a remedio casero that my mom used to do on my little sister. Okay. So I'm going to write that one down. That was a good one. You know, And it worked. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Vicks. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, probably the 10th person that has mentioned Vicks that some point <laughs> I, I think we just left. i think every every home has one oh, yeah. yeah okay and the last question and then we'll wrap it up is do you have a quote that you go by or some mantra that you read every day or something that has helped you throughout you know um i was very blessed uh just a few days ago save the inventor 
um, published one of my cooks. Oh, yes, and I was very, very happy. And it, to me, it's it goes like this: sharing your knowledge along the way helps foster and empower the next generation of women. Mm. And right now, that's my that's my goal. And my another quote, very special to me, is: create your dreams, crave your dreams, and cultivate your dreams. Yes. And to me, that's, that's where I'm at today. That, those words got me where I'm at today. Yeah. You have to really crave. And it's just not one dream because life is, is long and, you know, you're evolving throughout your life. So create multiple dreams, but crave your dreams and cultivate your dreams. Yes. That's so inspiring because right now I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> it's, it's refreshing to hear that. Okay. So before we close out, where can we find more about Hanging Secrets, where can we buy, where can we support you? Awesome. We have our website, okay. um, www.hangingsecrets.com. We're also at a local boutique in Otay Ranch, Chica's Mall, which is okay. also supporting women. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook, Hanging Secrets. At, hang, at Hanging, Hanging Secrets, Secrets. Okay. yes. Very nice. So I will have the, the links to all of your sites on the show notes and anything that we can help you with. Awesome. Thank you so March much. March 10th? March 13th. It's on a Monday at okay. 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 o'clock San Diego time. We're going to be live, okay. hanging secrets, 15 minutes, having the opportunity of a lifetime. It's a, They're calling it from start to stardom. Wow. So, yes. And you're going to be the one talking about it. Yes. I'll be, it would exciting. be me and Lily Hill Vallarte, who's actually uh, the uh, coordinator of uh, Project American Dream, and Bill Sacosta, one of the hosts of HSN, which is going to be awesome. Wow. And this is where, where are you going to be? Where and, is this and this is going to be in Florida. Wow. Tampa, Florida. Yes. Okay. Well, best of luck. You're going to be amazing. And we'll be supporting you, of course. Thank you Listeners, so much. March 13th. Thank you so in. much. Eastern. What was it? Seven Eastern. Seven. Time. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Okay. And for the listeners who are wondering how much to budget, how much is a hanging? It's forty nine ninety nine. Okay. Pretty affordable. Yes. Less than the cost of an actual bra. Right. <laughs> right. And how many bras and pants? You're, you're able to accommodate 12 bras. 12. And 12. <laughs> and 24 matching panties. Okay. And it, hang, it hangs in the closet over the door. And for this uh, HSN Live we're actually launching the Hanging Secrets travel version. Oh, yes. oh that's a good one. Yeah, so that's See? one of our... So of cool, because now you can expand on different things. Yes, we're having our line of products. Very nice. Okay, Francis, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you, thank you for your inspiring story. Thank you for sharing your love story, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's so cool. And thank you for inspiring other Latinas and Latinos to, to invent and to, like, you said to follow their dreams and crave them yes well thank you very much for having me it was it was exciting yeah thank it was, you it was fun okay listeners don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher soundcloud and any other podcast platforms i'm hearing more and more every time and i'm have to i have to make a list so i can mention all of them but people tell me they listen to me on other platforms and i'm like oh i didn't know i was there so but if you want to leave me a review, please leave it on iTunes. That helps me a ton because that gives the show visibility and that allows other people to hear the amazing stories that we share with our guests. And if you have anything to tell me, you can email me at pam at spreadideasmovepeople.com. If you want to send me coffee, any letters or any 
anything that you want to mail me, you can use our PO box. It's 33901 San Diego, California, 92163. And I accept any love that you want to send me. And I promise I'll send you something back. You can go ahead and visit spreadideasmovepeople.com forward slash podcast forward slash 19 for 19, episode 19. And check out the show notes so you can see all of Francis' links so you can support the cost and buy some hanging secrets. Every woman should have one, right? That's a, yes. <laughs> I mean, I have a mess of, in my panty and bra drawer, so definitely. And thank you, Henry Castro, again, for being the producer of our show, for your music. And if you want to check them out, go to soundcloud.com forward slash henry-castro-1 to support the music and our wonderful producer. All right. Francis, anything else you want to share? No, just thanks again. And I love what you're doing for the podcast Latinos, my first one. So awesome. Thank you. Felicidades. Gracias, gracias. Mucha suerte. Thank you. And listeners, stay shining. Sabrosura pa ti que At the Home Depot, the start of spring means it's time to add Vigoro and Earth Grow colored mulch to your list and your cart. Right now, get five bags at a special buy, just 10 bucks. Mulch helps retain soil moisture in shades of red, brown, or black. Hey, it's nice out. Today is the day for doing and mulching. With Vigoro and Earth Grow colored mulch, five bags, 10 bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Color selection varies by store. Limit 60 per customer, continental U.S. only. At the Home Depot, the start of spring means it's time to add Vigoro and Earth Grow colored mulch to your list and your cart. Right now, get five bags at a special buy, just 10 bucks. Mulch helps retain soil moisture in shades of red, brown, or black. Hey, it's nice out. Today is the day for doing and mulching. With Vigoro and Earth Grow colored mulch, five bags, 10 bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Color selection varies by store. Limit 60 per customer, continental U.S. only.